are here at La Cocina with chef owner of Mini Bells, Fernay McPherson. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. So in your own words, can you describe what Mini Bells is? So Mini Bells is a Southern comfort food, corporate and special event catering business. We also host pop-ups in San Francisco um, occasionally, but right now we mainly do a lot of special event and corporate catering here in San Francisco. So where are you from originally? I am a San Francisco native. I was born and raised in um, the Western Edition part of San Francisco, which a lot of people know as the Fillmore. I moved away in my early 20s, but I've been back home for about eight years now, and I am currently living on the same block that I was raised on uh, in the Fillmore. Wow, the same exact block. The same exact block. How did that happen? I have no idea. <laughs> Just happens to I didn't, I didn't see it coming, but it, it happened. I'm glad it happened. I'm happy to be back in my city and being able to do something that I love and something that I am recognized for doing. So it all worked out for me. Where were you when you left San Francisco or what took you, what took you out of the city? I've kind of been all over. I lived in Oakland, Richmond, Sacramento, but in my early 20s, I could not afford to live in San Francisco, so I had to venture out to uh, more affordable places for uh, my daughter and I to live, and we moved back here from Sacramento, um, like I said, about seven or eight years ago, so it was the affordability to be able to live in San Francisco. Back when I was in my early 20s, like, the thing that most you know young adults did was move across the bridge to the East Bay because it was more affordable. Eventually I ended up in Sacramento but and then back home to San Francisco. Yeah it's a very common story unfortunately. Yes. Um, what brought you back to the city? My family for the most part um, working and having two young children it was pretty hard to um, make those schedules compatible in Sacramento so my only result was to move back home where we had more family to kind of help us out yeah so tell us a little bit about your background and what you were doing before you got into the food industry yeah I worked um, coming out of high school I worked for the San Francisco Unified School District for a few years and then I went over to AT&T and I worked for AT&T for a while and AT&T went through a lot of changes over the years and I had to relocate with work and go through offices closing down and moving pretty far where I pretty much couldn't travel to work and so the last office closure that I went through was actually in Sacramento and when I went through that closure I decided that I was going to do something that I love to do and I went to culinary school there. I completed culinary school, came back to San Francisco. I externed at Brown Sugar Kitchen in Oakland, and I worked there for a little while. Um, then I moved on. But after moving on from Brown Sugar, it was kind of hard to find jobs in the food industry. It, it's a male-dominant field, and um, you know, being a woman and a woman of color, it was very, very hard for me to uh, find work. So I went on to drive for the transit company here at the Muni so I was a transit operator and I drove the bus here um, and I did that for a while and um, I decided you know it was time for me to use the skills that I learned in school 
and leave my job. Like I, I, I did do mini bills for a little while, but I, I worked as a, a transit operator. I did both driving a bus and doing a little bit of mini bills, but I made the decision just to totally leave and do mini bills full time. And I haven't looked back. So yeah, I, I went I went from the school district to telecommunications to a bus driver. <laughs> I mean, that's really, that must have been really scary to jump in with both feet into your own business. Um, yes, very scary. <laughs> what what made you decide to take that leap? So I was, you know, driving the bus and doing mini bills at the same time. And it was getting to the point where I was um, stretched pretty thin, you know, being a mom and being an entrepreneur. So it was like I had to make a decision on if I was going to continue to be a bus driver or if I was going to be mini bills. And as a lot of people know, anybody that knows San Francisco, driving the bus in San Francisco is a tough job. Right. You know, it's, it's a really, it's mentally a tough job. And either I was going to deal with that or I was going to work hard to do me. And I chose me. So That's it took awesome. me a while. Like, I was pretty scared, you know, because I'm like, okay, I will be my income. Like, I have to, mm-hmm. you know, make those paychecks come in. But um, I took that leap of faith and I did it and haven't looked back what's um what was mentally tough about being a mini bus driver um you get called a bitch pretty much daily oh my gosh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but it, it's that. just the people it's the people you know that ride the uh, bus it's you know san francisco has changed so much over the years like i've seen the transition um being that i am a native and it's a lot of people in the city, you know, it's a lot of people in the city and traffic is ridiculous. And um, just dealing with the drama that you have to deal with, with people getting on the bus and all of the traffic that's within the city, um, it just wasn't for me. Like it, it was just too much for me, mm-hmm. you know? Um, yeah. Stressful. And then I feel like you, you, you are out there in the streets dealing with who knows what, you know, you don't know who's going to get on your bus from, stop to stop and so it's it's just rough being out there in general and then I didn't feel like I worked for a company or organization that really valued me or any of the other drivers Mm -hmm. so um it's hard when you have to deal with all that on your shift and then go into the office and deal with more drama Mm -hmm. and I I was like I can't do this so Mm -hmm. you know I um like I said I chose me yeah. And that's it. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. That's yeah. what I think everyone wants, wishes they could do, even if they yeah. aren't able to. Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned then also that before, I mean, the reason you got into becoming a mini bus driver was because you struggled to find a role in the restaurant industry in San Francisco or somewhere in the Bay Area after doing your externship at Brown Sugar Kitchen, which is a pretty prestigious soul food restaurant in well, just restaurant period right. um, in the Bay Area. Can you talk a little bit more about what you ran into and what you what you faced when you were trying to find your next role? Um, I would face silence for the most part. I would go and do stages and not hear anything back and just applying, 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 and applying and just not getting anything back from applying. You wouldn't even get feedback? No, like nothing. So at that point, 
I said, okay, well, I'll just start doing my own little thing. And I started with catering, like, small events within the community, teaching youth cooking classes in the community. So started very, very small, private parties for people that I knew. And Mm -hmm. I started looking into resources, resources that can help me, you know, build. Because I only knew how to cook. I didn't know how to run a business. So I started looking into resources, and I found uh, Urban Solutions, which is now closed. But Urban Solutions had, you know, business workshops, and I went to those workshops, and that's how I got connected with La Cocina because they partnered with Urban Solutions in the city to do a series of workshops that I attended. And from there, you know, La Cocina brought me into their program. So in 2011, I started to formalize more working with La Cocina. So at that point, you know, I didn't look to apply for any more jobs within the industry. I just started to build, you know, mini bills here. Mm-hmm. And it was a organization that supported, you know, exactly what I was, a woman of color mm-hmm. and a San Francisco native. So I started to build from here. That's great. So you started working on Mini Bells as this sort of side project while you were working for Muni. What was the inspiration behind the idea for Mini Bells and like even the concept and the kind of food and the name? Where did all of that come from? Well, I've loved to cook since very young. Like I've always had a passion to cook. And the passion came from watching my mother in the kitchen, my grandmother and my aunt And the name Mini Bells is actually a combination of my grandmother and my great aunt. And my great aunt, her name is Minnie. She's 85. Wow. And my late grandmother, her name was Lily Bell. And so they were my two big inspirations to cook. And I named the business after them because it was like my way of taking them on the journey with me. And it it came like the passion, you know, of, of food was very young just seeing it during the holidays was my favorite because that's when it would be the most food (laughs) (laughs) so just seeing all of the food on the table uh I loved it it was just I just absolutely loved it I look forward to holidays every year because that's when my aunt like it's Christmas stands out because my aunt lived one block up from where we lived and so on Christmas we would open gifts at home and then we would walk over to my aunt's house to open more gifts and when we would go she would have like a table full of food like already nine o'clock in the morning and it's a table full of food like all type of cakes pies and a full meal like at nine o'clock in the morning so (laughs) and I just loved it like it, it was like the highlight of the whole day you know aside from getting gifts it was like that food was just the highlight for me. So my passion came at a very young age. What was what did you love about the food and sort of this table full of food and walking in and seeing it first thing in the morning on Christmas? The presentation. Yeah. The presentation. It was beautiful. You know, it just it looked beautiful. It looked like something you would see in a magazine, you know, a holiday table. Because my aunt is very stylish. You know, like even with dressing, like now, even at 85, she's very, very stylish. So she would always set the table with um, table settings and different decor. And then even the food, you know, it was decor. You know, she would do a red and green checker cake 
or for our birthday, she would, whatever our favorite color was, she would do a swirl. Like, it, 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 like two colors. She would, like, I don't know, still don't know how she did it, but she would do, like, these checkerboard cakes and then these swirl cakes where she would intertwine the two colors and bake it, and then you cut it, and it just looks amazing. <laughs> so it was the presentation. I mean, the food was amazing, of course, too. Um but that presentation, like, I love seeing a table full of food. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, and there's something there. special about the holidays, too, and it sort of gives you that excuse to, because you have so many different dishes, and. And you can eat everything. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it was, you know, when we did have these family gatherings, even if it wasn't, you know, a holiday, um, it was just a day where my parents are not looking, you know, so I can eat, <laughs> like, whatever I wanted to eat. Right. And. I was a little chubby girl, so <laughs> that was that was my thing. <laughs> it's hard to say no to a lot of delicious food. Yes, yes. Um, and and my grandmother, same thing. Like Christmas night, we were at her house, and so I had a double whammy. Like I would see my aunt, you know, that morning with food, and then go to my grandmother's and see another table full of beautiful food with the same beautiful presentation so have any of the did any of the recipes or presentation elements or any of that come through to mini bells and what you do on the menu yeah so mini bells is a lot of the food that i grew up eating a lot of our dishes are inspired by that some of our dishes are a little trendy and some of the dishes are just things that i enjoy cooking so but i would say the overall feel is definitely comfort Mm-hmm. You know, and when people eat my food, I always want them to feel like they're at the kitchen table, you know, like they're at home or they're at grandma's house. I think that's definitely what we represent. A lot of dinners that we've done, you know, people will say, oh, that I really felt like I was at home eating. And that's what I like to hear because that's what I want to represent. Well, so what are what are some of the most popular items on the menu, and, and what are some of the items that you like cooking the most? Our most popular is the rosemary fried chicken, our sweet buttermilk cornbread, our gumbo when we do it in the winter, and uh, mac and cheese. Yeah, so those are definitely some of the favorites. I love I love vegetables, so I love to go to the farmers market and just get whatever vegetables I see and throw them together and make a nice little vegetable medley but I love to cook grits I love beef short ribs so I love to create a dish where I am doing some braised and braised beef short ribs and I might braise them differently you know and just throw them over some savory grits like that's one of my favorites so my grandmother used to make us go to Patterson, California, every year. If there were fields there where you can go pick fresh vegetables. So every year we had to do that. And from when I was a little girl all the way up until a teenager, we went to pick fresh vegetables at the fields in Patterson. So it kind of like a pumpkin patch or like a berry farm or something? It's gone can, now. Okay. It doesn't exist. It's actually houses there now. Oh, I see. But it was a field where you would go and farmers were there planting, you know, all these different vegetables. And we would go and pick green beans, okra. Uh, those are the two that I remember vividly because we would, once we picked them and got home, we had to clean them. <laughs> so, <laughs> And I just remember snapping so many green beans and we would pick green tomatoes 
and that will be our thing when we come back home my aunt will fry the green tomatoes while we clean Mm -hmm. the veggies but I'm sure we got more but for whatever reason I can only remember the green beans and the okra Mm -hmm. yeah and we used to have to get out there in the dirt it would be a big bus or I'm sure it wasn't a bus but a big truck Mm -hmm. you know that seats everybody that's there and bring you out to the field and you would just go and they have bags and you would go and pick them and the um truck would come around like occasionally for people that were ready to leave out the field and Mm -hmm. go back to um the little shack that they had where you weighed them and paid and Mm -hmm. they had like jams and nuts and things in the little store but yeah we we did that every year for many many years yeah and it was also fish i also remember fish now you can either go fishing i remember fish but i can't remember it vividly but yeah was this like in half moon bay or, or where is it? so patterson is uh central valley oh okay so it's going out towards uh fresno okay gotcha wait yeah so mini bells is a catering service do you have plans to move into a brick and mortar restaurant or yep the those are our next step it's been a task because we have been trying really, really hard to get a brick-and-mortar space in the Fillmore. That is the goal. That's where I would love, love, love to be in my neighborhood. And one of the main reasons why is because, you know, the Fillmore was a neighborhood that was predominantly an African-American community, and there were a lot of black-owned businesses on the street alone. And um, you don't see that anymore. Like, you would never know if you're not from here and you're walking down that street now, you would never know. So I want to be there to be a representation of what was there before I was born and what was there, you know, when I was young, Mm -hmm. when I was a young kid. So it's been a task, but we are, we working on it. And hopefully one day, you know, we will be there. We had the pleasure of interviewing Chef David Lawrence from 1300 on Fillmore and nice. um, Black Park Barbecue. Mm-hmm. And he shared quite a bit about the history of the Fillmore district as he knew it. He actually, as you know, mm-hmm. grew up in England. Right. But his wife grew up in the neighborhood. Right. And mm-hmm. she's very much involved with the restaurant group. And right. And is, is his business right. partner. Yeah, Manetta's actually one of my mentors, so I'm very familiar with them. And to be able to see them, you know, still there because the 1300, what, 10, 10 years, you know, um, and then they were able to expand to Black Bark is, like, amazing. So yeah, that's one thing that is comforting to see, that they're there and they're surviving mm-hmm. and there's hope. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'm sure this is an obvious question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Mm-hmm. What's the biggest roadblock to getting a foothold on a space on Fillmore Street? Funding. <laughs> Definitely money. Yeah. You know, it's extremely expensive to live in San Francisco. So to operate a business in San Francisco in the Fillmore is it's intense. It's extreme. So mm-hmm. it's definitely money. It's definitely being able to find a space that we can somewhat afford you know Mm -hmm. that we could afford yeah that's Mm -hmm. the the big hurdle what's your plan until then what's your plan to transition into that so we will most likely do a one-year pop-up in emeryville at the emeryville marketplace uh that project is a little far out as well but we're gonna do that and then 
we'll go from there you know after that that one year is up but definitely look into getting a space in the community and you know at this point I mean it's been really hard to be on Fillmore and that's where I would really really love to be on Fillmore Street but it's been a task so at this point like anywhere in the neighborhood pretty much works for me so if it's any other opportunity that comes along you know before an opportunity on Fillmore Street happens then we will definitely move forward with whatever opportunity fits mm-hmm. you know many bells where can the people find you in the meantime right now catering like you can hit us on the website through email call we do occasional pop-ups we do a lot of fundraising pop-ups where we do collaborations with other chefs mm-hmm. and those things we post on our social media so if you're following us on our social media you'll definitely know about any events that we do Awesome. Yeah. And you have one today. I'm actually going to host a tour, which is pretty cool because I will be hosting a tour of about 10 people and going, taking them around to the different Bay Area native vendors that are vending today at the Street Food Festival. So, yeah, so I'm looking forward to that. It's the San Francisco Street Food Festival, and it's a festival that La Cocina puts on. Used to be every year. We didn't do it last year. It used to be here on Folsom Street in front of the building, and then it moved out to Pier 70, and then this year is at the Power Station, which is close to Pier 70. Yeah, so that's going to be today, 11 to 8. You had a cool opportunity just yesterday. We're recording this interview in in mid-October. You were invited to be one of the food makers for the breakfast Mm -hmm. portion of the very first Cherry Bomb Jubilee event Mm -hmm. in San Francisco. Right, right. Can you share a little bit about what Cherry Bomb Jubilee is and what that experience was like? So it was all about women in food, and we catered the breakfast portion of the Jubilee. We did a bite. The sponsors this year was La Brea Bakery, which is out of LA. So we did a bread pudding bite yesterday. And it was a conference, a conference of women in food, a lot of panels. Actually, Tanya Holland, who I started under in Brown Kitchen, sat on a panel and they spoke about women of color, you know, in the food industry. There were some other amazing chefs there as well. Tracy of uh, Jardinaire was there and Gabriella Cala, you know, was there. So it was some pretty amazing women that were there sharing their stories of being a woman in the food industry and the struggles that women face in the food industry. I think Eater did like a amazing presentation on the different media outlets that recognize women in food and a percentage of women that they recognize in food which is very minimal mm-hmm. especially some of the more prestigious ones unfortunately mm-hmm. right? yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah and it's some that don't recognize women at all mm-hmm. you know so that's pretty unfortunate but yeah so it was just all about women in food mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it's a good area for women in food from everything that I've been able to hear from from people I mean there's still struggles here for sure mm-hmm. um, from everything that we hear on this series but compared to other cities like New York especially and others what seems to be happening in San Francisco is more of a movement of females in right. the restaurant and food industry, which mm-hmm. is awesome to see, but there's still a lot more work to be done. Right. Still definitely a lot of work to be done. And I think a lot of the ladies spoke on, because I don't think any of the women are originally from here, mm-hmm. but a lot of them spoke about their reasonings for coming to San Francisco 
And that was one of them, you mm-hmm. know, it's because San Francisco tends to be a city that is more wanting to see equality just overall, you know, mm-hmm. not just women and food, but, you know, people of color, like it's a lot of culture here mm-hmm. and people of color work in this industry, you know, and San Francisco is big on being a sanctuary city, mm-hmm. you know, so I think that draws a lot of people to the city in general. Yeah, and we have a pretty wide range of even different kind of ethnicities represented in mm-hmm. the restaurants here, like the more celebrated restaurants here. There's like Guamanian food and mm-hmm. Burmese food and everything. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, La Cocina is full of that. You know, La Cocina yeah. is a place that I don't so did I even mention the La Cocina Purpose it is an organization that help immigrant and women of color formalize their food businesses so we are full of food from all over the world right and delicious food so and we had Caleb Zegas from La Cocina on on menu stories early on actually I think it was our seventh episode nice so for anyone who wants to learn more about La Cocina Mm -hmm. definitely listen to that episode it's awesome to hear about the story so looking back around everything that you've been able to accomplish so far what's what's the most challenging thing about what you do from the day-to-day I think just being an entrepreneur is the most challenging thing because You know, I did leave my job where I was getting a paycheck every two weeks (laughs) to be an entrepreneur. And, like, when you are an entrepreneur, you have to continue to look for work. I may have, you know, the months go up and down. So that's the struggle, you know, being able to make sure things are consistent all the time. Like, okay, where is next week's work coming from, you know? Mm -hmm. So just being an entrepreneur in general is tough in in a small business you know mm-hmm. it's tough so being a mother too makes me hustle harder mm-hmm. you know because i have to provide it's kind of the ultimate inspiration behind making mm-hmm. sure things happen right yeah and they're paying attention you know my kids pay attention to what i do so yeah i have to make sure i'm doing the best that i can so that they can see that and they know that that's what they have to do in life in general is keep going and do the best that you can what's been the most rewarding thing about everything you've been able to accomplish so far and thinking about where you're heading you've even had um, recognition from the san francisco chronicle you were named a rising star chef so you're you're being noticed and you're gaining in popularity too and obviously making great food that's really resonating with people what about that experience has been most rewarding the rising star chef was surreal for me you know it's and it still is like i didn't see that coming and i felt like when it did happen i'm like okay i have been doing this for a minute now you know and somebody (laughs) is finally seeing it so that that was definitely surreal for me and i'm very thankful for paulo and the chronicle for recognizing me and my food you know he came to one of my pop-ups and I didn't even know he was there like I was in the back and then I saw his story on Instagram I'm like oh my god he came he liked my food and (laughs) you know to get that call it, it was just it was just really surreal and I think now more people are learning about mini bells and and chef Fernet and you know what I do in my story and it's wonderful. And and another thing that means so much to me is taking my aunt and my grandmother on this journey by naming my business after them. My aunt is still here, you know, and 
I'm able to call her. And that is like amazing. And I'm able to tell her, oh, you know, I was in a newspaper and I did this and I did that. And, you know, to be able to share those stories with her, it's just amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. I bet she's obviously extremely proud. Yes. Does she get to taste any of the food and go to the, any, she, any of the events? She did early on. She hasn't been lately. It's just a little harder for her to mm-hmm. get out and about. But she she has. She has come to events. And when we operated our food truck, she would come sit out at the food truck occasionally. Just being able to share those stories with her or even call her and say, hey, you know, how do I do this or how do I do that? No award can top that. My aunt was a really big part of my childhood. She would watch us while my parents worked. And she would say, I probably won't be alive to see you get older. And I'm like, she's been here to see me become a grandmother and to see me do what I love do and talk about her as I'm doing it. So, yeah, that's That's pretty special. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Good luck with everything that you have ahead of you. We're excited to see the pop-up in Emeryville and also eventually see your brick-and-mortar restaurant somewhere in the Fillmore Western Edition. Yes, well, thank you for having me. I really enjoyed talking to you today.